0: Hey there, welcome to ATL Twenty Nine, a Peachtree Hoops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Schnard. I'm coming to you on Sunday morning following the Hawks' 117-114 win over the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, what can you say? Mike Scott will shoot. He played 27 and a half minutes last night, nine points, eight rebounds, made three of six threes, and was plus ten. So that wasn't the player you came to hear about. (laughs) Uh, But seriously, though, I love Mike Scott. Mike Scott's a good NBA player. Uh, And we're going to talk a whole lot about the Hawks. But it's interesting that the 76ers, trying to knock out a non-playoff team on the road, played Butler 36 minutes, Harris 37 minutes, Joel Embiid. 35 minutes, Ben Simmons, 35 minutes, J.J. Reddick, 31 minutes, and Mike Scott, 27 and a half minutes, and then no one else, more than 16, three, just, they played just nine players, and McConnell, Marjanovic, and Ennis all played fewer than 16 minutes, if, if I'm a Philadelphia fan, I'm a little worried about this team. They don't have any depth. Uh, You go further down the bench and look at the guys who didn't play. Jonah Bolden, Amir Johnson, Justin Patton, Jonathan Simmons. Ugh. Nope, no no solutions there. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see what happens with this team. Uh, They have five terrific players. Mike Scott can do stuff, but it gets dicey beyond that. I'm not sure what they're going to do if if these guys are playing 37 minutes against Atlanta. I'm not sure what's going to happen in a playoff game. What happens in a playoff overtime game? Are these guys going to play 50? (laughs) I mean, it's it's something. All right. On to the Atlanta Hawks. A fun team. A game-winning shot. Let's start with the three stars. I had a hard time separating two players, trying to pick out that third star, uh, the Hawks. We mentioned the 76ers relying a lot on their starters. Uh, the Hawks starters were better than the 76ers starters in this game, and it wasn't particularly close. Uh, Dedman, Kevin Herter, Trey Young, all were better than plus 20 in terms of plus minus. Torian Prince and John Collins were both plus 17 and then you look at the bench and the plus minus is kind of scary for the Hawks. But you got to keep in mind that they weren't going against the Sixers bench for a lot of it. Uh, a lot of those extra minutes were against the 76ers starters. Uh, so, you know, it's hard to figure out how to properly evaluate that. But clearly the Hawks starters were the strength of the team tonight and it wasn't particularly close. Well, I, I want to come back to that point in a little bit. Uh, but in trying to pick the third star, it's very hard to separate John Collins and Dwayne Debman. For the second straight game, the Hawks were very, very good against a large team. They did it against Favors and Gobert Thursday. They did it against Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris last night. And it's hard to separate Debman and Collins. Debman had 17 points, 8 rebounds. Two steals, made two of five threes. John Collins had 13 points, nine rebounds, and two block shots. He made his only three-point attempt, was four of ten overall. I'm going to go with Collins here for the third star just because I think his defensive rotations and his rim protection have taken a big step up over the last two weeks, After the game, Lloyd Pierce was asked about exactly that.
1: Yeah, growth and development. You know, it's not just on the offensive side. I think it's easy to look at shooting numbers and say, oh, he's gotten better as the season's going on. John's gotten better on the defensive side as the the season's going on. And he's chasing down blocks and coming out of nowhere to go get blocks. He was a part of the the reason why Jimmy couldn't get a shot off at the end. He he left his guy and corralled and and showed a crowd to Jimmy to get the ball out of his hands. Uh, The awareness, the activity, for him to be um, that way on the defensive end, especially this late in the season, shows he's still committed to trying to get better, and that's been a major area of focus for him. Criticism or not, it's still about growth and development on every aspect of the game.
0: Some numbers to go along with that. Uh, being a good defensive player, being a good defensive big around the rim goes beyond blocks, but at the same time, it's indicative if you're playing the right way especially if you're an athletic player like Collins. And uh, some interesting numbers. John Collins had 18 blocks in his first 46 games. And you heard Coach Pierce on an earlier episode of this podcast saying, uh, if I wanted to watch all of John Collins' blocks on the season, it wouldn't take me that long. Well, 18 blocks in those first 46 games. Since then, he has 12 blocks in his last eight games. So that's something that's clearly taken an uptick. 18 in the first 46 games, 12 in the last eight games. Um, and again, you know, over the last two games, playing against very big teams in Utah and Philadelphia, John Collins has done an excellent job playing strong defensively around the rim. Uh, another interesting stat from last night's game, a Hawks outscored the 76ers in the paint, 66 to 54. The two teams took a roughly equal number of shots in the paint, but the Hawks just made more of them. The Hawks were 33 for 55 in the paint. That's 60%. And 76ers made 27 of 52, so a little better than 50%. Uh, Certainly an offensively oriented game as both teams closed in on 130 points. Uh, But you know they're both offensively talented teams. That's that's the NBA in 2019. Uh, You know, the the tempo was set early. Uh, The referees were blowing the whistle early and often on the Hawks. 76ers had 17 free throw attempts in the first quarter. Uh, That was a little unsustainable. But, you know, once you set that tempo, there's a certain amount of defense, amount of contact that you're going to allow, and clearly it was set towards uh, very little to no contact. So that's a game where you're going to see a lot of points. Okay, second star, this is very easy, Torian Prince, played a marvelous game, in the fourth quarter, Jimmy Butler had him down in the low post, he was doing everything he could to score on Torian, and Torian wasn't having any of it, Uh, he threw a pump fake one direction, threw a pump fake another direction, tried to get Prince up in the air, get some contact, get some of those free throws that we were talking about, Prince didn't. And he stayed there, and he was in the way uh, when Butler took a fall away and missed that shot. Uh, Terrific defense from Torian. Torian hit the shot that kept the game alive for the Hawks late in the game. Uh, Late in the shot clock, he had Tobias Harris on him, out on the perimeter, kind of a jab step right, drove left, finished a lefty finger roll at the rim. Uh, and without that shot, the Hawks don't win this one. That was uh, a huge shot. For the night, Torian had 23 points. He made four of ten threes. Had three assists. And just overall, a, a huge game from Torian. When you looked at what the Sixers were doing defensively in this game, and we'll talk about this more when we get to Trey, but you know, there were times when... You know, in a Collins-Trey pick and roll, Trey was getting the attention of both defenders, long defenders. Trey was throwing some magnificent passes over the top. Uh, Trey finished with 11 assists in a game when he really could have had 16 or 17 because he threw that many quality passes. But you know, when he was getting the attention of both defenders, he was dropping these high rainbow passes over the top of the defense that Collins was getting in the paint. The Sixers were recovering and closing things off on Collins, uh, but then the ball movement would kick it back out and get it to Prince. And without Prince making some of those shots, it was going to be a long night for the Hawks. But they—he did, and you know that kept the game close, close enough that the Hawks could eventually pull this one out. Uh, so big game from Torian, made eight of fifteen shots, uh, some some big defense down the stretch, and a huge lefty finger roll that made it possible for them to win this one. You know, we mentioned uh, maybe two episodes ago when we talked about Kent Bazemore and his changing role on the team. You know, kind of feels the same for Torian. You know, it's weird that there's this. There's a buzz about the Hawks right now that hasn't been there since that season they won 60 games. And even then it was a different kind of buzz. Um, But, you know, Torian's gone from a guy who was a focal point on this team to one who, you know, isn't a focal point. And it's, you know, we mentioned it for Bayes, it's a little bit of an awkward dynamic to see, you know, hordes of people. Before and after games, trying to you know talk to Trae Young, talk to John Collins, and you know for for a veteran player who was a focal point of the team to watch that it's it's an awkward dynamic, and you know clearly it's something that has to be a little bit difficult. Um, you know it's 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 tough, I'm sure in some respects. But that was a huge game from Torrey. Just just really you know that's the kind of thing you want to see from him. Over and over and over again. He was definitely balling in this one. Um, gee, who should the number one star be? (laughs) Ah. Troy Young. He can do stuff. 32 points, 11 assists. Made four of nine threes. Made 11 of his 20 shots overall. He was the catalyst of the offense. He hit a game-winning shot a floater, probably about 16 feet, maybe longer than you realize when you go back and watch it again. He wasn't in the paint when he took that floater. He was about a foot from the corner of the free throw lane when he took that righty floater. Kind of a similar shot to the one he took against the Lakers, Um, except maybe a little bit further back so that he could get it off. I'm not sure where it fits in the pantheon of Trey Young's rookie shots when you compare it to the preseason one over the preseason winner, I'm not sure where it fits in the pantheon of shots that big shots that Trey Young has hit in his rookie season, but it feels as big or as least as big as any of them. After the game, he had NBA players tweeting that he was the rookie of the year, including Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell tweeted that Trey was the rookie of the year. Kyle Kuzma quote tweeted it and said that he seconded it. Blake Griffin quote tweeted that and thirded it. Uh, Trey Young's getting some of the support of NBA players and while it was a completely loaded question, I asked Lloyd Pierce if he thought that Trey Young was the rookie of the year. There's only a handful of games left and Trey's obviously gotten better and better as the season has gone on. Do you think he
1: deserves to be rookie, yeah, of, the sure, year? rookie of the year? it's, it, there's no, it, there's, we talked about it in the Utah, and you know, one of the reporters from Utah asked what were the comparisons to Trey and Donovan Mitchell, and you know, Trey had the slowest of slow starts shooting the basketball, and it seems like years ago now. It was one and a half months, and he's been great ever since, and I don't know how many rookie records he has here with the organization, I don't know how many rookie comparisons he has throughout the league. Um. But he's, he's a pretty good player, and compared to all the rookies, he's playing unbelievable basketball, and we rely on him a lot, and he delivers a lot, and I don't know if anyone's played better basketball in their rookie season than he is, or anybody else over the last couple of years. The stuff he's doing, uh, facilitating, he's played in every single game, uh, and he's performed, he's been our go-to guy down the stretch. I just think there's a lot to be said about our growth as a team and how we've we've progressed and the teams we've beat and how we've played as the season's going on and how he's been a major part of that.
0: Pierce didn't even let me get the question out of my mouth. (laughs) And I know it's a loaded question. I mean, what else is he going to say? He has to support his guy. Uh, And he did. He said Trey Young is the rookie of the year. He didn't equivocate at all. He didn't even let me finish the question and get it out of my mouth. I'm not going to sit here and say that Trey Young has to be the rookie of the year. I don't think it's that clear cut. I don't think you can say that Trey Young has to be the winner. I also don't think that you can say that Luka Doncic has to be the winner. It's superbly close. There are people who are going to say, well, look at the shooting numbers from the beginning of the year. The shooting numbers from the beginning of the year were fine, except for two weeks in November. His shooting numbers were fine. His defensive metrics from the first couple of months are ugly. And that goes beyond two weeks. But who was watching those games? Does anybody remember? I mean, I don't think a ton of people were watching the Hawks at that point. And maybe they looked at the numbers. Maybe they're still looking at the numbers. Uh, You need some context with those numbers. John Collins was not there. That's his second best player. That's his best offensive option. Also limited early in the season was Dwayne Dedman. He missed some games with injuries. And even when he wasn't injured and he was playing, he was limited by the extent of those injuries and some planned minute limits as he came back from them. So look at what Trey Young was playing with at that point. He was playing with a rookie coach. He was playing with a rookie power forward, Omari Spellman, playing essentially out of position as a rookie. Uh, We had Vince Carter, who as kind of Benjamin Button the season, but at that point in the season, he looked like he was every bit of 41 years old, as as good as he looks now. Uh, he was playing with Alex Len, who was brand new to Atlanta. So you had two rookies, you had a brand new player, you had a brand new coach. You had Kent Bazemore. Uh, the beginning of the season, those Hawks lineups were brutal because, number one, So many people were brand new, including the coach, including the point guard, and two injuries. I mean, the Hawks' second best player wasn't here yet, and he wouldn't have been the second best player for the first month of the season. John Collins would have been the Hawks' best player. He might be the best player right now, uh, but the Hawks didn't have him, and he was the Hawks' best player in October and November, and he was sitting in street clothes. And again, the Hawks weren't fun yet. Voters aren't going to take into mind that context from what the Hawks were at the beginning of the season. They're just going to say, well, there was this number, and there was that number, and there was this number. And defensive metrics are a sketchy bunch to begin with. But you also have to take into consideration time and place and context. And there was a lot of context to be had in terms of the beginning of the Hawks season and how new everybody was around Trey Young, especially in light of John Collins' injury and he's gotten better. Um, he's gotten better as a rebounder, he's gotten better in every you know, he's gotten better at everything. He's gotten better at shooting, he's gotten better at passing, he's gotten better at rebounding. My favorite play that probably will go unnoticed from that game. The 76ers took an open corner 3 from the left corner. Joel Embiid was kind of under the basket on the opposite side, on the right side, near the baseline, and it was kind of a straight rebound that, you know, hit the hit the rim and went over the rim to the opposite side where Embiid was waiting. And Embiid, you know, looked like he was about to get the rebound. Trey Young comes in. It doesn't the rebound doesn't go exactly to where Embiid is. He's gotta take a step, a step and a half, two steps further away from the rim than he thought he was going to have to probably initially. As he took one of those steps, you know, Trey Young stepped into the play and got up alongside Embiid, who presumably didn't see Troy Young, but he felt him. Troy Young was there. Trey Young went up for this rebound against Joel Embiid, giving up 14 inches, probably more if you take into consideration wingspan. Uh, but again, he competed, and Bede didn't know who it was that was there. And instead of grabbing the rebound, Bede smacked it 94 feet all the way to the opposite baseline. He was trying to hit it back to his backcourt, but you know whatever happened in that situation, he ended up hitting a lot further than he wanted. The Sixers tried to chase it down, went all the way back, saved it from going over the baseline, but then couldn't save the save, and the Hawks got the ball. Trae Young is more comfortable now than he was in October and November. That much is clear. That much shouldn't be a surprise. Um, And you see it in plays like that one. I don't know who the rookie of the year is. I don't trust people who say that it has to be Luka Doncic, and I don't really trust people who say it has to be Trae Young. There's still 10% of the season left, and I think it's close enough between these two players that it could shake out in that 10%. I really do. I mean, look at the numbers. They're unbelievably close on the offensive side where the numbers are more reliable. Luka Doncic is shooting 43% from the field. Trey Young is shooting 42% from the field. Luke is shooting 33.3% from three. Trey Young is shooting 33.6% from three. Their true shooting percentages are... 54.4 and 53.9, with Luca having a slight edge of half a percent over Trey Young. Trey shooting 82% from the free throw line. Luca's shooting 71% from the free throw line. These are all so close, so unbelievably close. Luca has the edge in rebounds like he should. Trey has the edge in assists like he should. Luca's an amazing rebounder. Like, Luca's going to be. A Larry Bird type rebounder, and that's a huge compliment because the thing people forget about Larry Bird is that he was a freaking great rebounder. If you look at defensive rebounds per game, there were only 15 players in NBA history to have averaged eight or more defensive rebounds per game for their career. Bird is one of those 15 players. Now granted that stat only goes back to I think 1973, so you're missing some of the rebounders from before that, but Bird is basically one of the 15 best defensive rebounders of all time. I mean, he he was amazing on that end of the floor. People forget a little bit that the first 4 or 5 years of Larry Bird's career, they essentially happened in the dark, so to speak. The NBA wasn't a hugely televised sport until about 1984. And that's about four years into Bird's career. And those first four years, he was hell on the glass. Uh, he did it for his whole career on the defensive glass, but he was an amazing rebounder. So to say that Doncic is in that class is is saying something, and I think Doncic is. He's a great rebounder. But it's kind of like the Rookie of the Year award for the 79-80 season. You know, Doncic can be an amazing player. He can be an amazing rebounder. Trey is a transcendent passer. Trey now has 583 assists this season. That's the second most assist in the NBA this season. That is also the third most all-time for assists by a 20-year-old trailing only Stephon Marbury and Chris Paul. In the last couple of weeks, Trey Young has passed LeBron James, John Wall, Isaiah Thomas, Magic Johnson for assists by a 20-year-old. He's now third all-time in terms of assists by a 20-year-old, and he still has a handful of games left. He'll probably pass Chris Paul, too. Um, And when you talk about... Chris Paul, LeBron James, John Wall, Isaiah Thomas, Magic Johnson as passers. To say that Trey young is passing these people, it's it's absurd. I mean, he's if everything goes right for Trey, you know, God willing, he's healthy for a number of years, he's going to be one of the best passers of all time and it's not even a question. It will just happen because he is that good. He is an all-time NBA passer. You know, much like Magic was. In his rookie season. And so, you know, it's a tricky choice here. It's a lot like Magic and Bird in 1980, trying to pick between those two. I mean, how do you pick? Maybe the difference is what we saw yesterday. I mean, Trey has shown a knack for the big shot. Not that Luca hasn't. Luca's hit some big shots, Luca's hit game winning shots. But I think if you look at what Trey has done over the last couple of months in the big moments, he's come up huge. And if he does it again once, twice, over the last couple of weeks here, that might be enough to give him the edge. I mean, it's, it's that close, and Trey is that good. He's unbelievable. We talked a lot about Trey Young's game winner and Trey Young's season, but, you know, looking at the rest of his game, um, you know, he he's just amazing. Uh, you know, he has that floater down pat. It's crazy, but, you know, it felt like Trey had a good first half. He finished with 21 points and eight assists in the first half, and it just felt like a good first half. It didn't feel like the greatest first half of his career, even though it was. I think that was the most points he'd had in the first half, 21. And, you know, he just keeps putting in floater after floater. He hit a few threes to go with it, and all of a sudden, boom, he's got 21 points. Um, You know, that floater is enough of a weapon now that, you know, if he's hitting threes, gets to the free throw line a few times, and he hits a handful of those floaters, you know, he. That's 20 points, boom, and you're, you're building from there. Uh, that, that's the kind of offensive game he has at this point. That floater, if it's not the best floater in the NBA already, it's top five. Uh, I mean, you look at the numbers. He's been amazingly accurate with that floater, better than he was at the beginning of the season. And right now, that's, that's an elite NBA floater that Trey Young has. I asked him after the game, You know, going back to the floater that was the game winner. I asked him how he kept track of the clock because, you know, he nailed it just right. Uh, The 76ers really couldn't do much after he hit that floater because they only had .1 of a second. They didn't have enough time for an official shot attempt. All they could do at best was get a tip. Do you count it out in your head? Like, do you know there's a certain amount of seconds and then from there just kind of... Try to keep track of it mentally.
2: Yeah, no, I know that I mean how much time uh before the, the, the play even starts. I know how many drills like I, I can get off um, and how much time's up on the clock. I don't necessarily count down on my head, I just I just know before the play starts how much time's up. Before the
0: game, Lloyd Pierce didn't want to tip his hand in terms of uh defensive assignments. He didn't want to say who would be guarding who. Uh among the starters, Trey Young. Guarded J.J. Redick. Torian Prince guarded Tobias Harris. Kevin Herter guarded Jimmy Butler, at least to start. You know, Trey did a reasonable job on J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick, you know, had a fun, you know, he was fine. He certainly didn't have uh, any huge advantage over Trey Young that he took advantage of, so that was good to see. But it was interesting that Pierce didn't want to tip his hand because there have been plenty of times where he said Trey is going to guard player X and just told us outright who it would be before the game in this game against his former team, maybe a little bit extra in terms of stakes, wanting to beat his old team. Uh, He wasn't willing to tip his hand on that one. And I guess maybe it's a little bit more interesting against the Sixers because they're such a weird team. And because the cross matchers are so ridiculous with Ben Simmons, essentially playing point guard, but yeah, uh, Lloyd Pierce wanted no part of telling us who would be guarding who. Uh, as always, subscribe, rate, review. We're happy that you're here listening and uh, going through this with us. Uh, any feedback would be appreciated. Uh, I'm going to close with a clip from Justin Anderson, who played with Lloyd Pierce in Philadelphia, talking about you know, what this game probably meant to Coach Pierce. Uh, Anderson had a nice game. Uh, You know, for a guy who hasn't been used much, he came in and gave them a boost. Uh, You know, he was an athletic big defender, which is what you needed at times against the Sixers in this one. He also had some nice drives going left and finishing high over the defense. I asked him, you know, what were they? Were they finger rolls? Were they layups? Were they baby hooks? Because I had a hard time describing them because they were just, they looked like long layups. And after the game, he said, yeah, that's pretty much what they were, they were layups. But... He had to go high with them because the Sixers were big and athletic, and if he didn't go up high with them, they'd deflect them. So he just called them long layups. But anyways, you know, Anderson was willing to share after the game. And, you know, he, he talked about what this game meant to Coach Pierce. So we're going to close with that. Thanks for listening. See you next time.
2: Justin, from a player's perspective, what have you seen from LP? being familiar with him in, in his first year of coaching? Uh, <clears throat> it's it's a different side that I saw in Philly. Um, he was always super reserved, and he kind of let Brett do his thing um, as the head coach. He always made the defensive adjustments, and to see him kind of come on the other side and be able to do both and be able to manage both the way that he does has actually been pretty cool to watch. Um, you know, he's very poised. He's act like he's been a head coach already for three, four years um, with his composure and, and big time, big time outs, big play situations. He just walks in and he's like, hey, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to believe in it. And, you know, he always has, like, a no-pressure mentality. He says says it in front of us all the time, like, there's no pressure on him. There's no pressure on us. We just need to go out there and play. uh, For him to say that and then also be able to go out there and do that is uh, big. So I think he's been doing an unbelievable job with us being a young group that everybody thinks we weren't going to amount to anything. And um, here we are putting ourselves in a position to try to get some respect around the league, and, and they have to put some respect on his name as well. Thank
0: you. Go (laughs) who's? (laughs) Wah-wah.